Welcome back, folks, to the Mel Wright Show. This is episode 219. Unfortunately, my co-host is not with us. He, um, he must be still in party mood coming back from his holiday. But we've got a great special guest. I've got JJ, DJ Paris with us. He runs a really popular podcast as well. He agreed to come on the show. I'm really looking forward to the interview. So, DJ, can you give us a quick intro? Yeah, happy to. So thanks for having me on your show. I also run a podcast called Keeping It Real, which is a really dumb name and I wish I hadn't have chosen it uh, because now I'm stuck with it, but it's become quite popular. So I guess I can't change it. So for everyone who's listening, here's what or watching, uh, here's what Keeping It Real podcast is. And every time that name, I have to say it, I just cringe. So forgive the name. But what we do on the show is we interview top 1% producers. So initially it started out here in, I'm in Chicago. Uh, it's, I was uh, saying it's a balmy 30 degrees here. So it's a pretty rough, uh, I, everything's iced over at the moment. But we started it locally here in Chicago. And what we have 45,000 realtors in the Chicagoland area. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to talk to the top 1%? So that would be the top 450 and ask them how they grew their business. Um, what success uh, secrets they have, what strategies they're using, what mistakes they've made, and to share that with the audience. And really, it was just, uh, we thought, a nice way to give back. So we have a real estate firm ourselves uh, called Kale Realty. We have 650 realtors. And initially, my thought was, well, this would be a nice thing to do just even for our own realtors. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, that's silly. Why don't I expand it and make it available for anyone that wants to listen? So we, of course, made it available to all the brokers in Chicago and, of course, all the brokers nationwide. And and I say brokers because in Illinois, we only have brokers. So I'll say realtor instead. But there's hundreds of thousands of realtors. And we said, well, gosh, this is silly. Why are we only talking to top 1% realtors in Chicago, where we now have expanded it to uh, the entire country, uh, of course, the world too. Um, And basically what we do every week is we talk to a top producer and ask them how they built their business. And our podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, of course, anywhere you find podcasts, but you can also go to keepingitrealpod.com. Um, and we have got about 119 episodes, I believe, and we come out with a couple every week. So that's, right. that's what we do. Fantastic. Well, let's let's start this way. Um, what? How? You know, coming to the end of 2019, DJ, and um, what have been some of the major topics, trends that you notice repeatedly coming up? talking to brokers, agents for your own podcast during this year? Yeah, that's a great question. So what we tend to hear, so it's funny, at the firm I work at, so my day job is I do recruiting for our firm. So we have about 650 brokers at our own firm. And then of course, I do the podcast where I talk to top producers from all over the country. And I get I get a lot of feedback about this. But my... Me, myself, I am not out there producing. So I can, I am only going to be able to relay what I hear, which is good because it doesn't go through the filter of my own experience and I can just give you guys good information. Um, this seems to be this time of the year, every year, seems to be a time of reflection and also 
prepping for the new year. Uh, things slow down. Obviously, home sales, um, you know, are, are uh, you know in decline. And, and not in, in a negative way, but just because of the time of the year or the holidays. So this is a time where people work on their business plans and really try to figure out how can we make 2020 the best possible year. Um, what, it, what I always go back to, and it seems to be our what our guests on the podcast always go back to is fundamentals. So I'm just going to give you a really good example or I think a good example uh, of something I heard once uh, one of our guests mentioned. And I thought this was a funny thing to say, and it almost was so simple. It was easily dismissible, but it was such a great piece of advice that I'd love to share it with your audience. So I talked to one of the top producing teams in Chicago who've been top 1% producers for over 10 years. And not only are these guys top 1% producers, it's, it's uh, two guys, their team. Uh, they're also actively involved in their local associations. They're presidents of various boards and they're really out there and committed and they're super busy. And I said to the uh, person I interviewed, his name was Josh. I said, hey, Josh, what are your goals for next year? Because we were interviewing Josh around this time of the year a couple of years ago. I said, hey, looking forward to next year, what, what, what are your production goals? And he laughed and he goes, oh, we don't think like that. And I said, well, what do you mean you don't think like that? What, what are the numbers you're trying to hit? Now, this is when I was real early on the podcast and I just thought that would be a good question. I no longer ask that question because of Josh's answer. He goes, Oh yeah, we we don't we don't think about how much business we want to do. I said, "Well, how do you set goals for your production for next year?" And he said his partner's name is Tommy. He goes, "We only have one goal. If Tommy meets 365 new people over the next year, we will hit all of our production goals." Right? So I thought, what a what a wonderful great reminder to everyone who's out there who's a realtor to remember the goal is to add people to your contact list, right? Of course, to maintain contact with those people once they're on your contact list, but to never forget the fundamental exercise is to increase the size of your network because we all know your network is your net worth. So I consistently hear that from the people I interview is how do we keep adding people to the network, right? So... That's uh, that was just one 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 thing that came to mind. In some ways, I've got to say to you. In some ways, I hate that term production. Although it's something that grates with me when people in this industry use that. We, you know, it sounds like we're in a coal production or yes. product production. We're we're there to the way I see this, and I just want to get your feedback. We're there to provide a service, correct? And do do our you know, I'm not an active real estate agent um, or a broker. I, I run a, a technology company that helps the industry. But it's, I have the same attitude. And if I was a real estate agent, this would be my this would be my fundamental attitude to things. Could I put my hand on my heart and say that the majority of my clients, buyers or sellers, did I really help them buy a house or sell a house? Could they say after hiring me and us going through this ride, basically, of selling or buying a house, would they say at the end of it, did Jonathan really help me and did he do what he said he was going to do? 
And if they can't say that, I, I'm not going to really build a really great business, am I? Yeah, that's everything. I once interviewed a gentleman who's 30 years in the business and um, his name's escaping me at the moment, but I would love to give him credit for this. His son decided to get into real estate. And so as his son was in his first year, this is a classic first year mistake. So his son created this business plan for the new year and brought it into his father and said, hey, here's all of the production I want to do Here's all the transactions I want to do next year. And here's my plan to get there. And in theory, we would say, hey, that's a great idea. And his dad said, I want you to walk out of the room. Uh, his name was Craig, by the way. Uh, the father said, I want you to walk out of the room and I want you to rewrite this business plan. And instead of number of transactions, I want you to rewrite it to the number of people you help. Because, and don't worry about any of the production. Don't worry about uh, the numbers. I want you to come up with a goal of how many people can you help this year, whether they pay you or whether you do it for free, doesn't matter. Just and, and this is a top 1% producer. And he says, we, he thinks of it as how many people can we help next year? And it doesn't and it's not a cute turn of phrase. It's really saying how many people, how many homes do I sell? He says, he doesn't think like that. He goes, how many people can I help on a yearly basis? And again, I'll achieve my business goals by how many people I help. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. Now, when it comes to technology, where do you think technology is and the, the attitude of the people that you have interviewed during 2019? What has been your general impression of their attitude and the way that they're using technology? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the challenge with technology, I'll start with the challenge and then I'll, I'll try to resolve the challenge. The challenge is, especially in the real estate industry, is there's uh, a tech bubble, right? There are so many players in the tech space. Um, you know, there's a million different offers that are hitting realtors every single day from tech companies saying, use our service, use our product, we can make you more efficient. And some of them, of course, can do that, right? Many services like, like MailRite can actually help you increase production. But there's also that expression that the best technology is the one you use, right? So with all the different players in the space, I think it can be overwhelming uh, for realtors to determine, well, what do I actually need? What's actually going to move the, the ball down the field? And the answer is, well, there isn't really an answer because there's so many different options. Um, what I think that, you know, at the end of the day, anything that helps automate contact um, or rather reminding people to contact their clients after the sale is really, really critical. Because what we know is that, of course, real estate fortunately or unfortunately, is a, mostly a transactional business, right? So you get paid per transaction. It doesn't really annuitize all that well. So in order for you to annuitize your business, we're talking about annuities are really referrals. So as Jonathan, as you've said, you know, are my clients so satisfied with me that they're going to remember to refer me to their, their friends? Um, well, technology can help you. And, and, I, and I think one of the ways that, that, that the people I've interviewed have talked about it is coming up with a communication strategy. So obviously realtors are constantly thinking about how do I close this deal, but then what's the communication policy after the transaction closes? How often am I touching that client and providing value, still helping them 
after they move into the home or they sell the house uh, six months later, a year later, two years later, because we, we know the data is really clear that if you do a great job and you stay in touch and the and staying in touch is the critical component that those people, those clients will most likely use you in the future. But if you don't stay in touch and you, you know, there's odds are they won't. So um, technology, I think if nothing else can help you stay in touch with your clients um, through some automated strategies like what, what MailRite offers. I think it's a, what you guys offer is so important to the real, uh, to realtors. A lot of thoughts gone into it. It's taken me about two years to build the final product that I wanted. And um, I've, I've gone, I've lost a lot of hair in the process, actually. <laughs> uh, um, I just want to put this before we go for our break and we go into the second half. Um, I've noticed that there there tends to be two camps when it comes to the generation of leads. There's the camp, I call it the Buffini camp. Sure. That um, utilizes, and it's a, a very legitimate um, mythology um, of building very close relationships in the community and especially clients that you've bought or sold property for, keeping sure. very tight with those people and for them to become master referral um, um, in your marketing, your community marketing. And then there's a different set that looks for Zillow and online yeah. lead generation, sure. right? And they, they do very little of the Buffini mythology, and I've found that a lot of the those that are very dedicated to the Buffini don't do a lot of online um, lead generation. Where I think in two, I just want to see if what your thoughts about this is, is in 2019 and then in the coming years, to be really strong, I think you need the combination of both marketing um, outlooks. Well, what's your thoughts about that? Boy, I, I couldn't really agree with you more. I think that you, we now have the ability. So you're right. So typically realtors go one of two ways. Either they buy leads or they work referrals. They either do Buffini or, uh, you know, to use a, a, another analogy as, as a trainer, like a Mike Ferry approach, which is I'm going to pound the phones or I'm going to buy leads and I'm just going to, in my previous career is not in real estate. So I worked for one of the largest uh, lead generation companies for health insurance. So nobody loves online leads more than me. So um, my background is is kind of that way. I'm I I'm not a referral guy per se. Now I'm not a producing realtor, but my background is is in online leads, and I know how to convert those. I also know that those are very difficult, um, and they require a totally different skill set and a totally different personality in, in, in certain ways. Now. What brokers, I think, don't understand is that they have to treat, you know, online leads, Zillow leads, OpCity leads uh, different than their sphere of influence, right? Those are two totally different strategies. And for, I believe that brokers should be doing both because there's a certain subset of the market, especially the younger generation, who really doesn't always work by referral, right? These are people that are going, they're going to Zillow before they ever, I mean, most people go to Zillow before they ever talk to a broker anyway, but certainly anyone 30 or younger is going to Zillow before they talk to a broker. And they're filling out forms, right? And they're doing that. 
and you need to have a strategy in place. But if it, to build exclusively by referral, hey, if you can do that, my hat's off to you. Um, but I love the idea that you can pay someone else to generate a lead, and then you can you might have to call them five times uh, over the course of two days, which I know is not the most fun activity. But does it work? Yeah, it can work. Um, so there's different personality types um, that will be more uh, applicable to working internet leads. But I can, you know, I know from working in that industry what it takes to do it. And if you have the tenacity and if you have the time set aside, you can be really successful working internet leads. Just to, before we go back, do you think there are, have you know, are there any people that, that come on your radar that can do both? Yes. Right. That's great. Although I, what I will tell you is this is a great opportunity for the listeners. If you say, I hate making cold calls, because really working with internet leads is making cold calls to some extent, even if they're live transfer leads that Zillow offers, Opsy. I call them, I call them Lukey Warm. Yeah, maybe maybe they're, they're lukewarm to possibly, uh, you know, they, they could run the gamut. Um, it, it, it depends on the personality type. So this is a great op- opportunity to partner up, right? So if you say, hey, I'm a face-to-face guy, that's what I do best, me personally, uh, if I was out there producing, I would be a face-to-face guy because that's what I do best. But I would want somebody to be pounding the phones or taking those inbound phone calls. So that would be a great way, reason to partner up with someone and say, hey, my skill set matches where I just want to sit behind a desk and, and pound the phone all day. And the other person maybe wants to be out there in the field. Um, you know, I would say if, if, if it's you're a solo practitioner, um, I would say pick a lane. Don't try to be everything to everyone, but um, find a partner. And you know, for me, there's strength in numbers. And I'd rather have somebody else who loves doing that on my team than try to do it all myself and maybe not be as successful. We're going to go for our break and we're coming back. We will be delving more in this fascinating conversation. I've enjoyed it so far. We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. I'm missing my co-host, Robert. But I think I'm doing a reasonable job with this interview. I've enjoyed Good. it so far. Yeah, it, must be, it must be, it must be, uh, it's always interesting when you're on the other side, isn't it? This DJ? is, you know, it's funny. I was just telling my, the owner of our company, I said that he's been on a uh, guest on, on podcasts before. And I said, this is the first time anyone's ever asked me to be on a show. So I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, I listened to some of your episodes and I thought you did a great job. Um, Thanks. And I like mixing it up. We're, we're mostly a technology um, discussion podcast for real estate yeah. agents, but I like mixing it up a little bit. Um, another question. Um, I'm, I've, in the two and a half years plus I've been doing this podcast, and it's been an education for myself, is that I'm amazed. Uh, even though I, found, I listened to the audio book version, and it can be... It, parts of it are a bit cheesy but the red book kelly you know how to become a million dollar real estate agent yeah i still think it has a lot of relevance 
But I've been amazed with the amount of agents I've spoken to doing demos with showing them the mail rights system, just general discussions with agents. It's the amount of agents that don't build up a database, don't don't even listen to the, you know, either read or listen to the audio book of the... And I, st- I still think it gives one of the most coherent lay, lay of the land um, hand-holding descriptions of how you can become a successful real estate. Some of it has become a bit dated, but the core of it is still there. Why, why do so many agents struggle building up an effective database? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm a big Gary Keller fan, uh, as you are. Um, Millionaire Real Estate Agent is is maybe the Bible or, the, or one of the first books any broker should read looking to grow their business. I think the problem is that the barrier to entry is pretty low, right? And nobody says, so we have a real estate school here at our office. It's not our school, but there's a school that rents space from us. So I talk to students, people who are getting their real estate license almost every day. And what nobody tells them, and certainly the schools don't tell them is, hey, this is, well, I mean, the schools try to tell them, but what nobody really sits down and says is, are you capable of running a business? Because what this is, is a business. It's not a job. And in order for you to run a business, you're ultimately responsible for no matter what firm you choose to work for, uh, whether it's Keller Williams, whether it's our company or Coldwell Banker, whoever, you're still going to do 99% of the job. And you need to really, what I wish was more in the uh, in the classes to get your license was how to run a business, which of course they don't teach because they're just teaching you all the rules and regulations you need to be able to perform the job. But what you really need to perform the job is business skills. And so that includes segmenting. And the one thing that Buffini does, mm-hmm. uh, well, he does a million things that I love, but one of the things I love the most about what Buffini does is he says, you have to think about your business, um, whether or not you agree with Buffini about his um Uh, his referral ideas, irrespective of that, you have to segment your business into support, uh, customer acquisition, um, you know, different areas. So, so, but I learned from Brian Buffini that, you know, Hey, at least an hour a day needs to be spent acquiring new customers. And that's probably only one hour a day, but it's probably the most important hour of the day. And then maybe six hours of the day have to do with serving the existing customers you already have. We'll call that customer service. And then another part of the day has to be uh, planning financially. How much did I spend today? How much came in? Again, you're running this like a business. Mm. And and so I, I think that, that that becomes challenging. So as a broker gets their license and they start to try to run their business, uh, a lot of them just aren't aware, oh my gosh, I need to build up my contact list. I need to build up this database of people. And, you know, the simplest, um, they call it Occam's razor, right? They, they say the simplest uh, uh, path is, is oftentimes the, the most effective path. And what that could mean is, do you, have you just written a list of your, the 300 people you know? And when studies show that we all know about 300 people, or have you even done 50 people that you know? And by the way, have you told those 50 people that you just got your real estate license? Or maybe you have your license for five years. Do those top 50 people know? Here's a great statistic. Um, What we know is that 16% of the people you know are going to transact in real estate over the next 12 months. So if you know 100 people, that means 16 of them are going to be either buying 
uh, selling, maybe selling and then buying, maybe renting, um, those people are going to be transacting in real estate. So the question is, you know, if, if you know 100 people, you, there's at least 16 sales transactions or rental transactions that are coming up. These are people that are going to be doing business. The question is, how many of those 16 or more uh, transactions are you capturing? And the, que- and the answer is, well, you know, obviously every broker who's listening can, can, uh, can answer that themselves. But if the, if the number is less than 16, if you're not capturing that many out of the 100 people you know, then the, then the thought is, okay, how do I stay in front of them? How do, how do I make it so that they never forget that this is what I do and that I can help them? Exactly. You put that so well. But, you know, the value is in the database, as I say. Um, of course. Um, I noticed during the year, I think some of the biggest, to me, um, one of the biggest stories has been Compass and how they've been seen in the industry. Yes. Um, so I want to get your reflections on what your feelings around Compass is. And yeah. secondly, um, slightly more controversial, even though Compass is pretty controversial, is that I feel that Zillow has got a little bit lost. And also the hype around iBuyer and Alice Home Buyer and other schemes like it, there seems to be an enormous generation of fear in the real estate industry, which I understand, but I don't totally agree with either. Sure. But I feel that Zillow has got itself really a little bit lost. And so maybe you can give us some feedback what you think about that remark and also about Compass. Yeah, I'll start with Compass. Um, I personally uh, have I, I, a lot of agents in Chicago... Uh, now, the firm I work at is a non-traditional firm where instead of taking a percentage of commissions, we just take a flat fee. So we operate in a very different space than the traditional firms like uh, Coldwell Banker, Keller Williams, et cetera. Um, Encompass, to me, as they've come into the Chicago market and really made a huge splash, uh, they've attracted a lot of top producers and I have talked to those top producers. I have had them on my show. Um, they love it at Compass. So all I know about Compass is straight from the horse's mouth, which is from the brokers I've interviewed. And I will tell you that the the people I've interviewed seem to love it. Um, now, technically, they're a competitor of ours. So I would love to tell you, oh, they're terrible. They're the worst. The reality of it is everyone I've talked to loves it there. So um, I, I, for, from that perspective, my hat's off to them. They're doing something right. And what's most interesting to me about that is they really came into the space with a very similar model, a very similar traditional model. Their technology is supposed to be amazing, and I'm sure that it is. And I, when they first came on, I thought, well, I don't know how this is going to work because they're no different than any other firm. And um, it's working. I, at least here in Chicago, they're killing it. And my hat's off to them. Um, I don't know uh, about other markets, but um, I, I'm really excited because I think whenever... I always think a rising tide raises all ships. So Compass comes in, they're doing something right. And it, what it forces firms, even like ours, even though we don't directly compete with them, I always think, well, that forces us to step up our technology yeah. game, right? So we now have to provide better stuff because we don't want to lose agents to Compass. And we know that people, when they move over to Compass, really like it there. So we have to make sure our agents are so happy. We have to have tools like, like MailRite to offer to our brokers so that 
you know, we don't lose them to other firms. Um, but I, I think anytime, you know, new, uh, new companies enter the, the market um, who are really exciting, uh, as, as threatened as I can feel about that, I also get excited because I go, okay, how can we up our game? So that's my thoughts uh, about Compass. And, um, and, and I've, I've only had positive experiences with them so far. So um, I'm happy to report that. Um, as far as Zillow goes, I, you know, I'm not that tied into the iBuyer world, unfortunately, to give a great opinion about this. Um, but I will tell you that I know a lot, uh, some of the top, oh, not top leadership at Zillow. I'm not that well connected, but I know some of the people uh, in middle management at Zillow, and they've been nice enough to have me out to, um, to their offices in New York. And I've been really impressed with their vision. So I think they're still figuring out uh, their whole lead platform. Uh, that's why do you, evolving. Why do you feel that I'm getting the impression that they're a bit lost? I don't know. Um, I, I it's funny, and 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 I think well, Zillow rolled out a platform earlier this last year that I thought was really really great, where they were they call it the Flex program, where they were offering um, leads to brokers um, in certain markets, and we were lucky enough to be uh, to be one of those markets where they were taking a percentage of the back end and not charging up front, which I thought was really cool. And they are going to be re-rolling that out soon. Um, so what I like, what I really like about Zillow is that they're willing to make, a, you know, to try new things. Um, and I know that they get a lot of um, pushback from brokers who feel that they're trying to edge out the broker out. I don't necessarily get that opinion or I don't get that impression from, from the people I talk to at Zillow um, who I know pretty well. And to them, the broker, and I say broker, of course, I mean realtor, um, is so critical to their success. I, I used to think many, many years ago, oh, Zillow is just going to replace brokers, which of course was very threatening to me. And then as I got to know uh, people at that company more, so I don't feel that way anymore. And I actually think um, what they're doing is in, in a way... Uh, and again, I have no affiliation with Zillow, but what I think they do really well is they help shoulder some of the workload off of the broker because everyone uses Zillow, we know. And um, no longer are brokers having to do all of the searching for the client. So the broker can focus on all the other parts of the transaction instead of just, hey, here's you know a list of 100 properties I think you might like. Zillow kind of does that for you now. Now, again, I know you were asking more about the iBuyer side and I... Unfortunately, I don't have a, a. I don't know enough about it yet. Right. I haven't seen it flesh out yet. Uh, I'm very, very interested to see what happens with that. But I, I just, I don't know. It hasn't really hit our market in Chicago that much yet. So we're all kind of waiting to see what happens. Fair enough. I think we're going to end the podcast part of the show. Hopefully, you can stay on for another ten minutes. Which sure. We call bonus content. Love I'm to. going to be asking some more questions about the agent broker relationship which is a, a balancing act. And I just want to get DJ's views about that balancing act and a couple of other questions. So DJ, how's the best way for our listeners and viewers to find out more about you, your podcast and yeah, get hold I, of you? 
Yeah, thanks, guys. So again, go to keepingitrealpod.com. That all of our episodes are you can stream online right from our website. Again, keepingitrealpod.com. Also, please follow us on Facebook. Uh, We are at facebook.com forward slash keepingitrealpod. And you can find us uh, every single day, by the way, our producer finds an article uh, about how brokers can grow their business. And we post that there. We also do a weekly video. And of course, all of our episodes are posted on Facebook as well. So find us on Facebook. And again, what our podcast is designed to do is help you get in the minds of the top 1% producers nationwide and so that you can learn from their success and hopefully uh, build your business. That's great. And hopefully we'll be back next week with another guest. I've got some great guests coming up. Um, It's going to be a really interesting period before Christmas and the new year. Hopefully my co-host, Robert, will be with me. I've missed him. But there we go. He couldn't attend, unfortunately. I think he's still in holiday mood or having some more computer problems. Or I'll fill Uh, in for him. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. You never know, do you? So we'll be back next week, blessed viewers and listeners, where we'll be offering more technology insights insights and more industry insights to make you a more effective real estate agent professional, providing the success that you're looking for, not only for yourself, but for your family. We'll be back soon, folks. Bye. (laughs) 